Well, hello everyone, and here we are to talk to you today. Uh, it's it's a very special time of day today. You know you know what fucking time it is. It's, it's that special day. fucking day of the week. <laughs> Have you ever just had one of those days where you just want to kick back, relax, open up a nice fresh glass of hot dog flavored water, and just chill out for this Fred Durst fucking Friday? Yeah. Woo! So turn those fucking baseball caps around, just fucking kick it, and just rolling, rolling, rolling onto these reviews. Because here we do it all for the nookie. Do it all for the nookie. We do it all for the amazing Fred Durst content. And on this very special I do this podcast for the nookie. Yeah. You know, I've gotten so much. We have straight groupies for this shit. We don't really have fans. We just have, like... Teams of people who want the fuck. We don't have any counterfeit fans either. We only have actual fans what, oh yeah. for Fred Durst Friday. What are the fans for this? Are they like the Dursties? What are they called? The Jinxes. Wait, no, that's not Biscuit Robert Durst, is it? <laughs> Biscuit Believers. <laughs> <laughs> the Biz Leavers. Um, um, yeah, I, we should point out too that uh, Nathan is still here from the, the main episode today of episode 22. Um, so, yeah. He'll be joining us along here. Yes, I've definitely seen these movies that we're going to be talking about and not just seen only the trailers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and speaking of movies, speaking of movies, we are going to review on this very special after school episode of Fred Durst Friday. The movies Population 436, which Fred Durst starred in a major role. Oh, yeah. And also The Long Shots, which is our very first Fred Durst directed film we've talked about on this episode so far. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Jess, would you like to go ahead and talk about Population 436 first? Oh, yeah. So uh, since we're talking about movies, I took some notes like it's a regular old cage fight here. Population 436 is a rated R came out in the year 2006, directed by Michelle McLaren, who we just found out, apparently directed a bunch of uh, episodes of Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, like all sorts of big TV shows. Yeah. Uh, Quite a rap sheet. Uh, and and also this. Yeah. Also, This was by far the biggest and most successful thing she ever did. Yeah, this is what l- fucking lined her bank account and allowed her to put herself out there and do those shows. And just, do you have the uh, box office figures for Population uh, 436? I, I don't. The budget is not available online. So that means it's all, automatically all in the yeah. red. No, there's no budget, no box office gross. This, uh, although I did see a lot of things saying it was very low budget. This is 92 minutes, and there is no production company, just a dude named Gavin Poloni. It's, it's like uh, some guy Fred Durst knew in high school. Yeah. And <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, this is not rated by critics. No critics have reviewed this, but audiences you, give it a 35%. Oh, that's fucking criminal. Are you serious? Yeah. Offensive. I'm fucking offended on behalf of all Fred Durst lovers like myself. Not a lover of Fred Durst, although I have been a lover of Fred Durst, but a lover of Fred Durst content. I'm hoping after he hears this podcast, I'll be a lover. Of we'll Fred have to Durst. start a whole new bracket full of like Fred Durst sexual experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a bracket of like all the times he made me come. I've ranked. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, like a real quick plot summary of this movie is there's a guy named Steve Cady who is a member of the U.S. Census Bureau and, and I, a researcher. And I wrote in my notes, I called him Census Guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was calling him Census Guy until I eventually picked up his name about three quarters of the way through the movie. But um, but he's sent to this uh, kind of remote town named Rockwell Falls. In North Dakota specifically. Which is in North Dakota, which will be relevant 
Because I have a question of why all the characters have southern accents <laughs> in, in one of the most northernmost states in the United States. I feel like every I, single like small rural area has its own version of a basically southern accent if you live in the middle well, of fucking got, nowhere. They got rural accents, but like, I mean, in Wisconsin, we definitely have a, uh, a Wisconsin rural accent, but it's not a southern accent. Not really. It's very distinct. It's when like, you say oh, southern you know. accents, you do mean the American South and not... Not South Dakota. Yes, right? yeah. yes, I do. Well, the thing is that is that North Dakota is technically south of Canada, so that's why they have a they have a Southern Canadian accent. Uh, yeah, exactly. Deep okay. Canada South. <laughs> but it's uh, Rockwell Falls, North Dakota, um, and he's sent there to you know figure out data about the population. And, and he sent from he's Chicago of all places. Yes, yeah, sent from which, Chicago. Which don't you think they would have sent it from maybe Minneapolis instead, a closer major city? <laughs> why Chicago? I don't know. Is there a Census Bureau building in in, um, Minneapolis? I would assume so. I don't know. I don't think Census buildings are only located. I mean, shit, there's like Census, like there's Census takers in like fucking every single small town in America. Why would somebody from Chicago have to go to the middle of fucking North Dakota to do a census? Uh, Honestly, by all accounts, there should only be one Census taker. (laughs) Spends the year or the decade going around from house to house. Why do we need... Yeah, I mean, God, one guy's fine. Yeah, one guy's fine. He uh, he's driving through and his tire pops. Oh at yeah, the entrance of the the uh, like, what was it the uh, the city like the like the town limits of the town. So he's technically yeah. in the town when it pops. It's, it's like a classic yeah. Children of the Corn intro. Where he's like, oh no, my poor car is broken down in this strange town. He's and got I, two flats, and I think it's really funny one that one too many to fucking. Papa Spare on. That's all. You know what's kind of funny is, I'm, despite uh, the, the, the fact that he has a jeep with a spare. The thing that triggered that, and where he didn't notice, is he sees a girl fall off a horse. This is really funny. That's the same horse that was in the Mister Hands. Video. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But no, it's just like it's just really funny. He's like, oh, why is that girl falling off a horse? Ah, oh, fuck, my tires popped, and I oh, laughed god. when I saw that. Ah, oh, shit. At the edge of town, there, like a sheriff's deputy rolled up, played by the illustrious Fred Durst. Who I really didn't recognize at first, actually, because his voice is so different. He's doing a southern accent. He's for all like some reason. He's completely bald, head and facial hair. Yeah, yeah. which is not a common bald. look for him. He's way thinner. My mental image of Fred Durst is way buffer than he appears to be in a lot of yeah, shit he, that I've he seen. He's a little in. bit scrawnier in this than I, I. I guess I'm accustomed to picturing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I just, I mean, I don't see him as a cop. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't really see him as a cop either, although I think this movie came out in, what, 2006, you said, right? Yeah. Yes. So this was right after The Unquestionable Truth, and he, I think he had a very, very precipitous decline in physical health at that point, so there's probably a reason he's a lot skinnier. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. Well, he's probably horribly depressed because, like, the, a couple of years earlier, he was in one of the most popular bands, and now he's a fucking complete laughing stock, and he's in a... Right. Not, he's in a great movie called Population 436. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So while he's doing his work there, uh, Steve Cady, census man, uh, the townspeople act very, very strange towards him, and they keep making allusions to something called the fever that affects people. Yeah, and at the very Um, beginning of this movie, you see someone trying to escape the town, and he just gets over the city limits, and he dies, and Fred Durst observes that. Yeah, he flips over in the pothole, I think, and his car, like, rolls over, and he explodes. And you see a baby born immediately afterwards. So there's some weird shit going on with this fucking town. Mm -hmm. 
I, I was going to make a note about that. I might as well bring it up now. But yeah, the the beginning of the movie just f- has like 14 frantic cuts just of the woman laying in her bed giving birth. It's shot like it's a goddamn action sequence. But yeah. um, And then the, it cuts to like a pickup truck and a car chase through the countryside. Um, and the co- uh, there's a cop following him and yelling, just pull over, man. Like, or in calling him by name. I don't remember his fucking name. But, um... It, the truck flips over into a ditch and explodes, and then a healthy baby boy is born, and in the room after the birth, someone stops a clock. And then, I don't know why I noted this, because it never became relevant again, but they set the clock to 3.35. <laughs> but, um, oh, and also, yeah. uh, when the, the guy dies and his truck explodes, the baby is born, and it is holding uh, the keys to a brand new Ford F-150. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, uh, <laughs> all, all is... Uh, Back to normal. All is well in Rockwell Falls. Yes. Yeah, but that was the the beginning. But uh, so, um, Steve Cady is hearing about the fever from the townsfolk. The townsfolk don't. Some of them seem to treat him like a good friend and like he's been there for years. And um, throughout his research, he discovers that the population has been exactly four hundred and thirty six people for well over a hundred years at this point. Um, uh, it is kind of funny that like. Uh, when he's like introducing himself to or like meeting people in the town, they're all like, "Oh, look at this poor man who's from out of town. Let's help him out, get him a hotel room, and make sure his experience is nice." <laughs> what do you do, Mister? Oh, I work. I have a census guy, and they're like, "This motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna count how many people are here. They're fucking red. They, they don't I, I don't trust any census takers. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> a bullshit job. Honestly. It is. It's a bullshit job. And if the census is hiring, uh, hit me up. So eventually he comes to discover like a, a girl who is being held in a hospital room where she they say she's schizophrenic and crazy and she has the fever. Uh, he tries to break her out, but she tells him in the process that like they say that anyone who wants to leave the town is said to be crazy and has the fever. And they won't let you go. They're going to keep you here, too. So, yeah, the town people are very weird to him. Fred Durst in this movie, I can't remember the character's name at the moment, but he's the sheriff's deputy, I believe. Uh, he's Officer like the, Freddy. Officer Freddy. I'm going to call him Officer Freddy. Uh, is one of the is like the only character who's just objectively really nice to census guy. Yeah. He's like a cool guy. He's like, yo, bro, I'm going to show you around the town. This town's cool as fuck. Uh, here's my fiance. And listen, I, I know you guys are going to be really cool together. Trust me. Um, and I love the scene in the bar when there's a guy like fucking puts like a shotgun up to sense this guy's head. And Fred's like, yo, bro, yo, bro, come on. We, we, we don't have to do this. He's like, a, and I called him uh, Fred Durst, the master negotiator in that scene. <laughs> he's like, it's like, yeah, this guy probably gets paid $12 an hour to be the cop in this shit town. But he's like, he's a. He's like a better negotiator than anyone in the FBI. And he's also wingman of the century. Oh, he's yeah. cool as fuck. All right. And, um, um, and also, uh, so when he comes to the town, uh, he knows there's this thing called the festival. Mm-hmm. And the festival seems very strange. Like, what is this? What is this festival? Like, what's going on? And then you see the there's the town folk. Uh, they have like a like a like a like a basket full of papers and they all have to draw things or whatever. And the person who wins the festival is this guy's wife, who I think that's the guy who pulls the gun on him. Mm-hmm. Not mistaken. Oh, yeah. It, basically, you'll come to find out. This is just like the short story of the lottery. It's literally the lottery. Yeah. Literally it it's yeah. the Hunger Games slash the lottery slash Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, you find out the lottery and then you find out this uh, 
this woman is like, I'm so happy to be part of the lottery. And she's literally in a fucking gallows about to be fucking hung. And they drop it and she just dies. Yeah, yeah. because at this point, like Katie uh, or Steve Katie has found out that he is being part of the town, which brings the population up to 437. And they got to take it back down to 436. So she has been killed. Uh, because there's the no such thing as passing through this town. <laughs> no. If you end up here, you fucking stay here. They do. They do boil that hanging, by the way, in the trailer. Oh, they do? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> um, and I also like how they, they mention there, there is a little plot hole thing they mention. They're like, well, I mean, if it's Population 436, how come all the people that delivered stuff don't get it? It's like, well, they don't spend the night. So yeah. it's like, oh, so you didn't, if you didn't make force, force this guy to spend the night, everything would have been fine. Yeah. So you facilitated this shit happening. Like, really, guys? Can you just accept that some people don't want to live in your fucking town? And just like, God yeah. damn it, now we gotta kill somebody. But, uh, yeah, Steve flips out because of that. He's, like, freaking the fuck out. He's like, you people are all crazy. And they're like, he's got the fever. So they <laughs> take him to a room. And there is a thing just before then. There's that school that all the kids are at. And they have, like, oh, it's a beer. And they do, like, some weird lat. It's, it reminds me exactly of that scene from Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, they the aren't saying the phallic symbol. They're it's saying some Latin, Latin shit, I think. Yeah. And you also find out that number 436 means something in numerology. Oh, yeah. So, so there's a reason why the population is 436. Um, well, they also say that apparently in 1860, they give the explanation to Steve while they're holding him down and giving him electroshock therapy to get him to, you know, get rid of the fever and want to stay. That the, in 1860, the population was 436. And then a new guy came into town. And that guy sucked. And everybody hated that guy. But then the town burned down and they rebuilt it. And uh, they put a population cap on the town at 436, and they realize that's a good number, and it's got to stay at that. And they believe that God kills everyone who tries to leave. It is not them, it is God. If it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. And they also mentioned there's no crime in this town, uh, except for the wanton murder and assaults all the time. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter who lives there as long as the population is no more, no less than 436. Everything will be fucking good to go. Yeah, except for the guy who pulls a gun on census guy and the mentally challenged person who starts choking him in the store for no reason. Uh, there's no crime in this town, by the way. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, everything's fine. And also it's holding uh, little girls against their will in a place and they torture her. Yeah, no, 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 no crime. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what would the crime even be there? Like, yeah, uh, abusing children is not a crime. Yeah, it'd be like accidental oopsie. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a party foul. <laughs> party foul. Beat the kids. Oh, man. Um... But yeah, like uh, after that, basically, um, Steve tries to break out uh, Durst's fiance. Yeah, we had, forgot that Fred Durst has a. F- is it fiance or just girlfriend that he's going to propose to? I think it's his girlfriend that he's going to propose to, or he wants to propose to her because she's in love with him. I don't even know if they're dating, but she has expressed to Steve that she wants to leave too. So he he once he's out of electroshock therapy, he kind of meets another guy who apparently came there eight years ago and hasn't been able to leave. Um, and he kind of gives Steve a hint on how he might be able to leave. But he said, like, you know, weird shit does happen to people who try to leave. Like, it's not them. But so Steve is like, OK, I'm going to bust Courtney out of here. I'm going to bust that little girl out of here. And we're going to fucking roll, man. And, and don't forget, census guy cucks Fred Durst. Oh, yeah. He did cuck Fred Durst uh, <laughs> by sleeping with his girlfriend. It's like, hey, I want to leave. Boss. And it's like, I do love Fred, but also I'm just really horny right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to fuck you. And then uh, the the sheriff uh, sheriff's deputy is also like uh, teammates with Fred Durst or like, you know, co-workers. He's like, oh, you should check up on your friend real quick. I bet he's like really hanging out with your girl. And he's like, whatever. And like Fred goes to the bar and he's like, I'm going to check up on her and, and sense this guy. And he's like, I'm 
I'm about to walk in, and he almost looks through the window at them fucking, and he just doesn't. He's like, ah, fuck it, whatever. I'll figure it out later. Oh, he does, actually. After that, he goes to the barn and looks through the cracks and sees he them. Oh, does he? Oh, shit, he does. Yeah. So he, he really does get cucked. And <laughs> he, he lingers, too, like he's enjoying it. And yeah. seemed like, like, he didn't seem put off or anything. He I mean, why wouldn't you, like, Jared? That, that census guy and uh, his wife or, or fiance are kind of hot. Hot couple. Hot couple. I a hot say. wife. Uh, talk about fucking ways. Talk Jesus. about hot wife. <laughs> but yeah, uh... Fred is real torn up about that having happened because he considered Steve a, a close friend and Court needed to be his lover. So he decides he's going to kill Steve at the behest of the other sheriff's deputy who's like, bro, you've been fucking up with this too long. You just got to get rid of him. He's a problem. Which I don't understand why they're all okay with killing someone if 436 is the population number they want to be at. They'd have to get another kid. They'd have to kidnap another person. Oh, yeah, I guess. Easy. But um, Fred is all torn up. Uh, he's going to kill Steve. Steve is plotting his escape, which involves, like, blowing up the town garage. But uh, Durst walks in there and holds him at gunpoint, threatens to shoot Steve, threatens to shoot himself. He's all just, he doesn't know what's going on. So Steve, like, manages to get the gun from him and then knocks him the fuck out. Um, and Steve continues his plan of burning down the garage and trying to leave in the uh, ensuing chaos. You know, talk about, talk about that scene, uh... Fred Durst did have a line that got cut. He said, yo, man, chill out. <laughs> fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Initially, after he saw, like, them sleeping together, he, he was uh, yelling, like, it's just one of those days where I don't want to wake up. Everything is fucked. Everybody just one, sucks. Just want to break stuff, but not this barn. <laughs> Oh, why is he banging on my significant other? <laughs> Man, I did this all for that nookie. <laughs> yeah, dude, I did all for this nookie, and you took that away from me. Now I'm sitting here like a chump, eh? <laughs> why did he take that cookie? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, listen, listen, bitch, it's my way or the house. <laughs> literally, it's, it's quite literally, yeah. So Steve gets the little girl. They steal a tow truck and start booking it out of town. But at the edge of town, Durst is there with the other sheriff's deputy, and they block the oh, road. And, and don't forget, too, uh, uh, just before then, he uh, goes into the doctor's house who's supposedly fixing the quote-unquote fever. And the solution to the fever is lobotomy. Yep. It's literally what it is. And then you see a family that he's been looking for that he just wasn't able to find. They're literally in the basement living like some weird 50s, like leave it to beaver style thing in a fucking jail cell, which is weird. And they're um, totally chill with it. Yeah. And he tries to save uh, Fred Durst's wife. He fucks Courtney, that up. Yeah. She gets and taken she, and she gets lobotomized. She is lobotomized uh, when they f when he finds her again. So it's too late to save her, but they end up saving the little girl. And so one problem with that, though, you see in the back of the head where she's bleeding, that's not how lobotomy works. Yeah, it's frontal lobotomy. <laughs> yep, they do it literally through the eye socket. Uh, so that's not how lobotomy works. Uh, so this film is medically wrong. Yeah, True. but I mean, they still, they didn't want to, she was hot, so they didn't want to mess up her face. Also, yeah. lobotomies have a weird and really fucked up history, and it's kind of insane that that is a thing oh, that it's, was it's medically awful. prescribed for uh, so long. Yeah, I, I could tell you about the original guy, but let's let's not get into it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, yeah, they, they end up trying to leave, and uh, Fred and uh, Sheriff's Deputy guy, who's his friend, who I kind of recognize an actor, but I remember him. He is the main victim in Saw 6 which is probably the most woke Saw movie. I'm not even joking. Because in that movie, he plays an insurance executive who gets horrifically tortured throughout the entire movie. Yeah. So I think you would yeah, like that movie yeah. a lot. Um, and they get to the edge of town. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, Fred Durst is there blocking the road. He's threatening him with a rifle. And the sheriff's deputy says, like, kill him, man. Kill him. He's got your gun. You got to kill him. If you're not going to kill him, I will. And then Fred Durst shoots the sheriff's deputy and lets Steve drive off with with uh, the little girl. And uh, as they're heading out of town, they're they're kind of happy because they're finally free of all this. But the sky starts getting dark all of a sudden, and they're hit head on by a semi. It and seems also, they were killed by God. And it's like a premise. There's a there's a lot of nightmare sequences. There's like three different fucking nightmare sequences in this movie. Where they get hit God. by trucks. Where they get hit by trucks, and then that's foreshadowed like by the, the very end. Of the film. <laughs> um, and then the movie ends with, and we didn't mention this earlier, but the town basically comes up with an excuse for why uh, since this guy never went back to work, and they basically made up. Like a fucking fake letter. Oh yeah, and gave him like pictures. Like, oh no, I found a cool wife in this town. I'm never going back to work again. And they're like, oh, that makes sense at oh, first. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, you see his friend at the census try to come to the town. And then, wouldn't you believe it? He accidentally runs over the same fucking patch of soil, like road, and his tire pops. Oh, what the fuck? And he sees a fucking Fred again, being like, hey, what's up, man? This town's great. Or was it a different guy? It's the the main sheriff, actually. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. But Fred Durst is still alive, and he's still cool. Um, and, and that's how the movie ends. They find another person to fill that gap of people. Exactly. So So people said all cops are bad. Fred Durst said, hold on. (laughs) I will say Fred Durst is like objectively probably the hero of that town at the very least. Like he tries really hard. Yeah. Best guy. Um, Sadly, got cucked. He did allow a woman to lose all sense of agency. So never mind. Oh, yeah. We talk about movies that are really misogynistic. All these movies have been really misogynistic yeah, in this episode so far. Of our, but <laughs> hey, name a movie that's not misogynistic. I dare you. It's not. There's our Bechdel test we could do for these films. <laughs> I feel like all these films would fail pretty bad. <laughs> Even the biggest Bechdel test movies. Uh, but no, Fred Durst is like a cool character. I, I really did think that he added a lot to this movie, and I... Oh yeah, he's really, this movie really cool like character. rides on the back of Fred Durst. I feel, and he's definitely the best character. I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's more interesting than Steve is mostly. And even though he's not the um, most famous actor, I would say he's probably the most famous person in this movie. Definitely, I would say he's the most famous person in this planet. I mean, unless you're a big fan of Six Feet Under, then Fred Durst is obviously the biggest character in this movie. Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out to me that I thought was funny was um. When when he is looking for that family because it's a family that's not he hasn't met and hasn't been accounted for in the census and he wants to make sure they're there, um, he talks to the mayor and says like, "Hey, do you know where this family might be?" Or like, "Oh," and he's like, "Oh yeah, Mister Whatever, uh, he's fine. He's being taken care of right now." And he's like, "Well, can I go see him?" And he's like, "Oh no, he won't take kindly to strangers. Matter of pride. You understand that, right?" And I'm like. No. How, how is pride related to taking kindly to a stranger? He doesn't like another man in this town. Uh, how, what, what do those have to do with one another? I don't understand that. <laughs> oh, God, it's just funny. And, and that's the thing is that we, we were kind of talking about what this movie reminds us of. And it, it does remind me a lot of The Wicker Man a lot. There's a lot of weird Wicker Man shit in this movie. Yeah, for sure. And to be fair, that's kind of a common trope is that outsider comes to small town. Outsiders or like the small town doesn't necessarily take too kindly to him, but they they kind of want to welcome him in for sinister reasons. That's like a pretty common trope in a lot of these. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's like a classic like 
I don't know. I, I, kind, I kind of, the, I kind of the small fear, town horror, I think, is Stephen King. But. Yeah, I think it's got like kind of a fear of, like, small towns and, like, kind of, like, fear of ruralness is this town. Or, like, this movie has, like, a big trope of that. Oh, I hard. bet you got big calls there in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, boy, it's, uh, it's like, sir, this is literally North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, why, and do you talk, why do you all talk like that? <laughs> yeah. We want to give you some cornbread now. Yeah. <laughs> Take you to Bismarck and around it. It's like, I've met people from North Dakota. They sound nothing like that at all. I haven't met anybody from North Dakota, um, but if I ever do, I'll fucking tell them to suck my dick. So. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I thought this movie, you know, like, it's a pretty standard low-budget horror movie. It was entertaining enough. I've seen worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, and what I was going to say before is that, like, it makes sense to me that the director is, like, a TV director because this did have, like, a made-for-TV oh, kind of feel mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of TV accents. In fact, uh, even the set design really reminds... He's talking about Walking Dead. It kind of reminded me a lot of The Walking Dead a yeah, little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely has, uh, like, a sci-fi channel movie feel to it. Oh, yeah. So. Absolutely. A lot yeah. of that shit. And I, I will say uh, I did genuinely like this film. I um, have seen it. I will say if Fred Durst wasn't in this, I would not give it the time of day. But Fred Durst is just such a, just a. He's a ray of sunshine. He's a ray of sunshine in an otherwise relatively dull horror movie. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say I genuinely liked it, but, you know, it is an interesting thing to have seen. Yeah, especially like Fred Durst being in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And a main character I, in a horror movie, too. I personally loved it. I'm just. Oh, yeah. Nathan was one of the biggest stands of this he movie. He watched it several times just to prepare. Yeah. And uh, he actually, he was like, I don't even know if I can talk about this movie because I'm so, I was so moved by it. And one, one thing, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the, the scene when they're in the cemetery at the very beginning, those fucking like paper mache crosses that all look the same in oh, the town. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the garage he blew up too was like very, very clearly a facade that was built and put <laughs> Just erected right up there. It, it's funny, actually, because there's a scene where they show it from the side, and you can see the building is, like, half as tall as that, and they just put that facade up, and it's literally, like, a two-by-four thick. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, this movie's really fucking wild. Uh, and just a lot of, like, weird, random moments that don't, like, why is the mentally challenged guy trying to choke? I have no fucking Sense guy for no reason? He's just mentally challenged. Like, you see the people that are lobotomized are just, like, broken people they're not mentally challenged like that guy is like what i don't i don't get why they even included that character in there he was straight up murderous and uh you know it's uh maybe it's because of his brain that's true i mean mentally you know that's saying people with mental disabilities should be feared yeah and and that's a uh, fred durst definitely believes that uh uh, but i won't spoil the phonetic uh so (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i will say any final thoughts before we move on to the next film 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Absolutely. All right. So the next film on the agenda is the Ice Cube family film directed by Fred Durst, known as The Long Shots, starring Ice Cube and Kiki Palmer. Mm-hmm. Now, Jess. Uh, Not to be confused with The Long Shits. <laughs> the Long yeah. Shits, which uh, Mike might have some opinions, speaking of shits. <laughs> ah, so, um, uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go, Jess, and explain some of the some of the details. Okay, this one came out in 2008. It's rated PG, directed by Fred Durst, produced by Dimension Films and Cube Vision. Well, talk about we talk about Weinstein's uh, Dimension Film. Yeah, That's yeah. Bob Weinstein's company. <laughs> yum. Yum, yum, yum. Speaking Good of man. Dimensions, how about that mutilated penis? Lovely. What are the dimensions of that? <laughs> the dimensions of my cock, yes. Yeah. 
Uh, this says a runtime of 93 minutes, budget of 23 million, and a box office gross of 11.8 million. We got two movies in the red already. Fuck. Yeah, in dude. the Fred. In the Fred. <laughs> two in the Fred, one in the stink. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes just got a 41% from the critics. 81 or 61 percent from the audience oh so, shit so so it got fresh from the audience mm-hmm. i am okay shit this is a real fresh prince and this movie did objectively better critic and com- you know commercially critic and you know audience wise than population 436 already it's true yeah. it i did. mean it was like a movie that i feel like maybe i've heard of but i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um the plot of this one is basically that ice cube uh I thought he was homeless at the start. I did too. I thought that was what they were going with, but he's yeah, just he's unemployed. Always wearing, yeah, he's always wearing the same clothes. And they even mentioned smells. the fact that he stinks all the time. Yeah, and like, um, I don't know. I'm just that mad reefer, dude. But uh, he is the uncle of a girl at school named Jasmine, who is played by uh, Kiki, Kiki Palmer. Palmer. Kiki Palmer. And uh, Jasmine is like a very bookish girl, always burying herself in books. She's being raised by a single mother who wants to get out more. And takes place in the town of Minden, Illinois, which is, I believe, where Dave lived in Illinois. Um, Oh, no, I don't think so. (laughs) No, no, it is, though, literally. Uh, Right, Dave? You lived in Minden, Illinois, is that correct? No. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so... Uh, she's picked down by the other kids at school and stuff like that. But um, so her mother like goes to talk to Ice Cube who and says like, hey, can you start like picking her up from school and just like talking to her and like, you know, making sure she's OK. I got to pick like up more that. hours at the diner so yeah. I can't spend time with my daughter. Imagine you- being that much of a deadbeat fucking like mom's a piece of shit. Like imagine trying to work more to support your shit. Like what the fuck? That's Get the fuck up. out of here. And she's Stupid. like, can you uh, be her dad? My daughter needs a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can you like take care of my kid? Because I'm too fucking selfish and I'm working. <laughs> yeah, Quit a job. I'm a single her dad mom. rightfully ran out of on her. Yeah, that dad's <laughs> a cool fucking character. Yeah, maybe if she wasn't fucking working all the time. Maybe if she fucking put out more instead of being a fucking bitch. Hey, how about instead of supporting this family, you su- support my fucking balls when you're sucking my dick. <laughs> uh, so they're both uh, kind of confrontational with one another until one day, like, at the park where Ice Cube hangs around, acting like he's homeless when he's not, uh, kind of. He's uh, throwing a football around with one of his friends, and, you know, it lands near Jasmine's feet, and she picks it up and throws it to him, and she reali- he realizes that she has a natural talent for it. So tries to get her to practice, and she quickly begins to enjoy it. Uh, eventually, he convinces her to try out for the high school football team, and... She's like, I can't. I'm a girl. And he's like, nah, you fucking good and you got this. And then they go to the coach. The coach is like, nah, she's a girl. She can't do this. And then, um, but he changes his mind when he sees her passing skills uh, being done at the side. So the coach also kind of looks like Sean Penn a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) he kind of does, actually. Like yeah, a, but he's not violent enough. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, not, he's a raggedy Sean Penn uh, who who couldn't quite get to the levels of fame where he was abusing his pop star wife. Yeah. But uh, she goes through some serious hazing at practice, but eventually the team really accepts her. Uh, she starts, like, winning games for them initially as a backup, but eventually they realize she's better than the main quarterback and she's a starter. Um, and uh, do you do you remember the fucking sick burn that the other team does on him? 
yeah. But they're like, oh, oh, they're, uh, they're freaking, their quarterback's a girl now. And the one guy's like, I thought it was a girl before because the old quarterback sucked. <laughs> and, and Dude, do you remember when he knocked over uh, Kiki, like, when they were playing football? Like, you could just dirt in your skirt. Oh, Ooh, dude. <laughs> Some of the best bullying on Bubber's Lane. Yeah. But uh, also, by the way, Plumber, like, you got a big turd in that toilet. Remember the beginning when they. Oh, yeah. The they, they're like, uh, make sure there's not a dookie in there first. And then later on, they call her Dookie Girl. <laughs> so. Uh, really good bullying in this yeah. town, by the way. And I think they call her that because she actually really likes Green Day, uh, which I know Taylor supports. But yeah. um, we'll talk about Dookie and shit, Green Day or shit. So. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so, uh, there's also one thing I want to talk about is, like, in one of the games, like, they, he, Ice Cube is, like, putting out flyers all around town, like, saying, like, come watch this youth football game. And, like, he gives it to one guy who's, like, foreign who keeps making the same joke over and over again, which is, like, football is soccer to me. <laughs> in my country, this name is something else yeah which was such a good joke they kept having to repeat it yeah oh, they, over honestly over. i wish they would have thrown in a few and why are you driving on that side of the road yeah <laughs> but that's some classic 2008 comedy right there oh yeah but Britain's yeah it's different but uh but no ja- jasmine keeps doing well yeah she keeps doing really well and we end up learning ice cube's backstory which is he had a a promising football career ahead of him until he tore his acl and had some other injuries outside of a game even not in a game and uh, he got a job at a factory, which closed down years ago now, and he's just kind of been drifting yeah. around. And ever just to reiterate since. this, this this town Minden, which, like I said, that's where Dave lived in Illinois, mm-hmm. um, is a shitty post-industrial town. Oh yeah, uh, that's falling apart. Classic and, Rust Belt. Yeah, and I honestly really liked that. I, I like that setting in movies when it's done relatively tastefully, and I think this movie did a pretty good job. Of that. Yeah, I yeah. think it did a good job. And I think um, I don't know if you caught it, but the the way he tore his ACL was um, he uh, picked up a girl he was trying to fuck since the. Uh, 12th grade. 12th grade. Um, so. <laughs> Slowly uh, drifting by was a, a, a blimp, and it read, Ice Cube's a pimp. <laughs> but, um, but today was a well, bad day because I tore my ACL and I fucked up my life. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> but, uh, so. He didn't sure. have to pull out his AK because he wasn't shooting that day, and he still fucked up his ACL. So <laughs> maybe if he had his AK, he wouldn't have fucked his ACL. I shot myself in the ACL with it, my AK by accident. So at the next practice, the coach has a heart attack, and <laughs> this scene was great. It's very dramatic and slow-mo. The moment it turns around and it focuses on the coach, I'm like, he's going to have a heart attack. It's held on him for three seconds now. There's no reason they would do this. I know this shot. I've seen it before. It's going slow-mo. He's walking away. He's going to suddenly go, oh, and fall over. And, and they don't film him falling over. They just show their reaction, and then we learn yeah, the next scene that he has a heart attack. Yeah, that's true. My favorite part of it, though, is his son is on the team, and he very half-heartedly goes, Dad, in slow-mo. <laughs> and it is so half... I, I actually audibly laughed out loud at that. It is an awkward <laughs> fucking scene. It's, it's very awkward. The thing is, like... It was clearly like, you know, it was supposed to be done like it was in slow-mo, but for some reason, instead of just having him say, Dad, and slowing it down, they had him say, Dad, really slowly, (laughs) and then slowed it down a little bit. But, um, 
But sorry, so the assistant coach gets promoted to head coach, and he wants Ice Cube to coach with him, actually. He's like, you know, I think you should be the coach. And Ice Cube is reluctant, but he's eventually convinced. So, like, bam, they, they're winning more games until, like, they're the fucking best in their league, and they're going to go to the fucking Youth League Super Bowl. The fucking World Series of Poker, dude. In Miami, which is alluded to earlier, is where Ice Cube wants to, like, go at some point. Like, he has dreams of moving to Miami. Yeah. yeah. Just the, all the pit bull and the Dwayne Wade and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's Scarface. No more Dwayne uh, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, so, they learn that the, t- uh, the team has to pay their own way to oh, Miami. And don't forget... Uh, 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 Jasmine's d- deadbeat dad shows up. Oh, yeah, he shows up again. And, uh, you know, Ice Cube is like, you need to just go and get the fuck out of here and not show up to her again because I know you're just gonna, you're gonna show up, you're gonna get her hopes up, and then you're gonna leave again and, and, and let her down. And she is, because a uh, d- deadbeat dad left when she was like nine years old or something, like mm-hmm. five years ago. And she still has his watch. And yeah. she protects it very, very, like, with, with all of her heart and soul because she just misses her dad that much. Yeah, and, and also because uh, he smuggled the watch up his head. Ah! <laughs> and he, showed, he showed yeah, up five yeah. years later, and he's like, hey, I, I saw you won a game. Let's go. By the way, deadbeat dad, let's go get ice cream at my ex-wife and your mom's diner and... I'm not paying for it, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this guy's a real fucking You're piece of shit. Paying for it with all your football winnings. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, after that, they find out that the team has to cover their own travel costs to Miami for the Super Bowl, and the whole town ends up contributing because this whole thing has made the whole town more proud of, you know, their community and yeah. take more it, pride in the community. It allows them, like, you know, trying to fix up the town a little bit, picking up trash and stuff. So, like, a lot of good, like, civic community stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, the, the dad says he's going to go see her in Miami for that game. Oh, yeah. He promises he'll be there. And uh, so it's Super Bowl time. They're down 16-0 and 0 at the half. And Jasmine is searching the stands and sees her dad didn't show up and she's very sad about it but ice cube says like you know he's gonna leave you all the time but like i promise you i'm always gonna be there and then they come back from the half fort minor is playing i know i I saw that i'm like fort minor the you know fucking 10 percent whatever i'm like i audibly laughed when that came up pretty sure i'm hearing mike shinoda from lincoln park right now yeah I'm sorry, do you mean Mike Shinoda from Fort Minor? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, talk about Fort Minor. That's, uh, that was the in- initial set name for... Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> where they put the Singer's house. But, um, yeah, so, like, they catch up until they're just, like, a touchdown down, and it's the last eight seconds. They need a touchdown to win, and Jasmine gets it out there, but the receiver just doesn't quite catch the pass. And... So and a nice little subversion of the sports movie thing, yeah. which I liked. And uh, so Ice Cube on the way out gets an offer from some of the other some other people down there to coach for the Miami Pop Warner League. Um, that is his dream to move out to Miami and be coaching football. That's like his dream fucking job. And on the bus, Jasmine is like, like you know, like hey, you know, you're you're just gonna leave like everyone else did, and he's like, nah, I promised I'm staying, and I'm staying, cause they have the true father daughter type bond going on here now, even though it is not bio. But then back home in Milton or whatever, Minden, Minden, I was <laughs> Jasmine's bio dad shows up again, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry I wasn't there, but everyone's like. Nah, fuck off, dude. And Jasmine takes off his watch and gives it back to him and, you know, 
That's it. That's and pretty much she the says, movie. and that's a hundred percent reason to remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I didn't mention is this is based on a true story. I think. It is. Yeah. I, that, that was at the very tail end of it. They described that can't uh, be. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, J- Jasmine Plummer. Jasmine Plummer. That's her name. Mm. Uh, in the story isn't probably quite the same, but she ended up going to the quote unquote Super Bowl of like minor league, like like youth football. She was the very first female quarterback of a team that made it to that to this, basically this Pop Warner Super Bowl. That's yeah. cool. So and she her is, real name is Jasmine Plummer. So it's, it's a cool story. I looked it up a little bit. Apparently, she ended up playing your college. Age. Yeah, and, she's like twenty six, twenty seven. And she ended up playing college basketball. So, so you know, multi-talented, multi—you know—multifaceted girl. She cool, cool as hell. And we extend an invitation um, to the real Miss Plummer uh, to be on the pod. Mm-hmm. And I believe the actual story was she was uh, she was on the Pop Warner team in Harvey, Illinois, which is like in the Chicago area, like south south suburbs. Like that's where Dave lived. Yeah, that's where he actually lived. Yes. Harvey Weinstein, Illinois. Yeah, we'll talk about Harvey and then Bob Weinstein. Yo, Harvey's a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> Whoa, I'm from the valley. Uh, so no, honestly, um, are we ready to get to our opinions of the film? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So this was not really much of a Fred Durst movie. He wasn't in it, uh, but he did direct it, obviously. So it does have his stylistic choices all over it. Uh, in fact, uh, the original song. That was going to be played uh, with the Fort Minor part was going to be um, every song off of Significant Other in a row. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, the director's cut, uh, if they could have worked that out, I would have watched that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was originally going to be counterfeit. Oh, the, the scene where her dad shows up was going to be counterfeit. Oh, You're freaking perfect. me out. Yeah. You're counterfeit. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I will say, like, Fred Durst, I think, did a good job as a director here. I mean, it looks like a competent, well-made... Yeah, yeah I mean... It's, he's not, like, you know, going all out, like, doing, like, some no, Stanley Kubrick crazy shit. It's a but. very simple, like, bread-and-butter, like, sports movie yeah. about a little girl who is able to overcome sexist stereotypes. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a very, like, typical $5 bin at Walmart type of movie, and it's very it's competent... Like, I- I have seen it in the five dollar bit of Walmart. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's confident for what it it you know wants to be. It's no like, are we there yet? As far as like blockbuster family movies go, mm-hmm. um, but I will say that I think Fred Durst is a better director than an actor. Yeah. Uh, sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, I'd probably why not? agree with that. Um, you know, like I'm I'm not really into sports movies. This one. I don't know. It felt like kind of cliche ridden. Uh, oh, it was very cliche. But <laughs> which is kind of I feel like a hallmark thing for sports movies. Oh They're yeah, just... which which to me kind of added to part of the charm because I kind of knew what was going to happen every step of the way, except for the ending though. I did not expect that. Mm-hmm. I expected her to win, but in real life she did not win. So I yeah, guess they kind of well, had mean, to they kind of had to make it a little true to life. I mean, it's like everything she did is super cool, but she just actually fucking sucks at football. So yeah. I just want to say I think. Just the fact that this movie exists is so strange to me that Ice Cube was in a movie directed by Fred Durst. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's still weird to me to think about Ice Cube being in family movies. And I mean, that's not new. Yeah, with a big Disney star. For 15 years. With a big Disney star at the time, Kiki Palmer. Yeah. It's just I, weird. Family movie starring Ice Cube directed by Fred Durst is like a fucking mad lib of uh, <laughs> yeah. a if, sentence. If someone had told you in the year 1999 that Ice Cube and Fred Durst would be, be in a basically a Disney adjacent family film. 
Um, no one would ever believe you. Well, not only that, but I mean, it's by I, it's by uh, Cube Vision, which is producing multiple family movies, not just one. He's in multiple, mm. and he owns it. Well, shit, that's beautiful. So no, honestly, I did like a lot of the performances. I, I thought that uh, 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 Ice Cube and Kiki's characters really did have like a lot of like platonic once again um, on screen chemistry. I actually really liked their their characters together. Yeah, that, uh, it was it was sweet. Yeah, and I will say the the, mo- the mom and the daughter had a much better chemistry and working relationship than uh, Nick Cage and his son did. You know, <laughs> like a, by a lot. I could tell there was a lot of like. Like I, I honestly felt bad when she, when she the uh, when Kiki's character Jasmine had her like falls and when she had her successes, I was rooting for her. So I really did like that. Yeah, I, I identified with the character a lot. I, so and I also, I, I also of- I'm sorry, I also liked how they didn't denigrate her nerdiness all that much. Yeah, like it was just part of her character that people found weird. But eventually, even Ice Cube got into her nerdy stuff, so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. They identified with a lot more than just oh, I like football, so you fucking like no. They yeah. learned a lot from each other. And they develop his characters together, and I like that. It yeah. is a good, like, nice, like, feel-good movie. Um, I mean, there are a lot of really lame, corny jokes that fall flat. Oh, boy, um, are there ever. <laughs> but, uh, and it is kind of cliche-ridden, but it's, you know, you can't be, like, mad at it. <laughs> no, there, there's literally nothing in this film to be mad at. It's a very sweet film, and I think its intentions are pretty pretty good. Yeah. I will say another folly is that the bullying side plot didn't get resolved in any kind of meaningful way. No, nope. those uh, bullies uh, are shitheads and they only are nice to her because she's a successful. Yeah, I which feel is like stupid. All <laughs> the dookie jokes they they made, they should have been like covered in dookie at the end. Yeah. Something yeah, it should have been like, like a real carry situation. <laughs> like Instead seriously. Of pig's blood, it was pig's dookie. Yeah. At the school and then dance. she killed all of them by throwing basketball, like, by uh, football footballs. Fucking <laughs> <at their laughs> head. Like torpedoes <laughs> and it knocks her head off. But no, that, that whole subplot was kind of stupid and I wish they would have either completely resolved it in a way that was justified or not had it at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just kind of stupid. But, you know, I, I understand that that shit has to be in these movies. I just think they de- yeah. didn't develop it at all. Yeah, I mean, the main character has to prove as many people wrong as they possibly can. And whether or not there's, like, a clear uh, resolution to that. Uh, there's got to be some some bullying along the way, so. And I will say, too, it's it's kind of cool having a movie where, like, a girl overcomes adversity that's actually based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that shit's really fucking cool. Like, the idea that, like, a 12-year-old girl was able to get all the way to the, basically, like, the junior Super Bowl is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, so when all the people on, like, who are trying to, like, bully her off of Twitter from Reddit <laughs> yeah. are like, oh, this would never really happen. And she's like, no, that literally, I literally did that, though. <laughs> what if the fucking Super, what if she got her period on the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. She bleed on the pig scale. That's not cool, man. <laughs> well, she got dirt on her skirt. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really did like this movie. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's time to get to our vote on who wins this episode of Fred Durst Friday. Guns loaded. So, uh, Dave, do you want to do the countdown? What? Okay. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll do the no. countdown. I'll do, I'll do the countdown. And, and Nathan, of course, you are included because you did watch awesome. these movies several times. <laughs> All right. Yes. So... Three, two, one. Long Long shot. Shot. Wait, 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 wait. We got we, a tie. We got a tie? Yeah. Wait, okay, let, let's argue this a little bit. Okay, so just what is your justification for population 436? Okay, so here's the thing I got to say. 
Long Shots is an objectively better movie. <laughs> oh, objectively, yes. <laughs> like, it is just, like, miles away better. But I don't particularly want to watch it again. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Like, uh, but Population 436 is kind of stupid bad, and I at least enjoy watching the stupid small-time thing. And I like watching Fred Durst. This is some range for Fred Durst. You know, I got to see him. I didn't and get to you see him. You know, that's the thing. We, I don't know if we should entirely judge a movie based on the quality. I think we should watch the movie based on the Fredness of mm-hmm. the Durst. And objectively, Population 436 has way more Fred Durst in it. That's true. By magnitude that's more. That's true. But The Long Shots is just, uh, you know, it's a directorial masterpiece. <laughs> Um, and I think uh, he shows more than range on it. He shows he shows uh, a lot of maturity. To be he honest. shows mastery of his craft. Absolutely, uh, Nathan. What's what's your logic behind Population Four Thirty Six? So, so here's the thing. I I it's an issue for me. I don't like. I I also don't like sports movies. I don't like sports movies that are especially based on a real story. I don't care. It's already happened in real life. I don't need to see it in, on a, in a movie. Okay. So for. For that reason alone, it's out. But honestly, Population 436 sounds much more interesting as a movie for me. So that's, uh, that's my um, I, I don't know if I entirely also, agree with that. Also, I do like I do like the fact that you get to see Fred Durst in the movie. That's that's a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can buy that. Um, I didn't see, I didn't, honestly, I feel like uh, I don't even like football, and this is a slap in the face because uh, Nathan, you come from the land of the Friday Night Lights, bro. You got to fucking <laughs> fucking uh, high school sports, dude. It's like fucking they are on the gridiron, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, my I am from Green Bay, so you think I would have, you know. And I do have that, of course, love for foosball. Talking up that so. big skin. See, if, if this was a movie like, say, the the great critically acclaimed movie Drumline, which is about the band, about the band behind that's supporting the football team, then, you know, then maybe I would have been on the on that side of things. That's but I don't care up. about football. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know what? Considering this is a tie and clearly none of us changed our votes, Dave is going to have to be, of course, the tiebreaker. Can you can you handle that, Dave? Which one was Fred Durst in? Fred Durst was in Population 436. He wasn't in the other one? He directed, he directed the other one. Well, see, I'm wanting to align my chakras and heal my heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in order to do that, I have to tune into the true frequency and drink mother's milk and be free. <laughs> and the true frequency... Wait, what the fuck was the movie called again? It's called Population 436. What, what was the other one? It's the called long The Long Shots. Shot. Well, The Long Shots? Isn't that like a kind of yoga? <laughs> yeah, it's it? like a tantric... Uh, <laughs> it's a sex position. Let's not talk about yeah. sex positions need, with a movie with a 14-year-old girl, please. What I need We're is talk healing. About healing and vibrations, you mm-hmm. know? Because think about it. Like, we know nothing... About the new, I mean, we know like a little bit, but we really don't know really anything about the universe. Are you a starseed? Like, <laughs> no, like, no, d- dude, no, no, just, just like check this out. Like, you know, um, see, I really don't believe in time. Like, think about it. Like, so, like, you know, like how you read a book and, like, uh, fucking the 436 one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fucking yes. hell. And, uh, you know, 
designed I to think leave this even, bracket. Like, not only are the f- A equals 440 and the A equals 432 people wrong, it's, it's truly A equals 436. That's what we need. That's the key. Well, it's the sweet spot because that's where the true vibrations are. Exactly. And that's how you align the chakras and you truly heal your heart. And you it's know? halfway between the two. Well, but like, truly... think about how we don't know anything about the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, see, that's kind of, you know, and like time isn't real. So like, you know, because see, like people say time's real, but really it's a construct. Yeah. And like, well, what's really crazy is like, like we know a little bit. But we don't know, like, anything about the universe. You know, it's just, it it makes you think, you know? Well, I mean, you can say we don't know anything about the universe, but we know about the light bearers and the light that they're trying to take from us. um, Well, and, like, uh, the, the Earth is, like, you know... It's true vibration <laughs> is... I can't fucking... We gotta get to the fucking boat! I love the... Yeah. Okay, so so 436 one? Uh, I guess. So, so Dave, is, what is your official answer? Well, like, you know, it's crazy, though. <laughs> 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 um, honestly, um... One of them was about basketball. I think it was about basketball. I heard something about passing skills, right? Uh, it was. It's, it's, so the girl in real life ended up playing college, uh, you know, fucking a WNBA style basketball. Right. Word. Word. Um, well, um, honestly, you know, Population 436 is kind of giving me like vibes from that CKY song with the dope riff. Um, <laughs> so I do kind of have to go with that one, being honest. And like, <laughs> um,. But, like, the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I think Population 436 won. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, I possibly. love that every time there's been a disagreement between me and my co-hosts, I've had both the guest and Dave backing me up to push it through. Uh, you know, I think like, my co-hosts are going to hate me. I'm just going to throw this out here real quick. Like, we really shouldn't rely on my takes on any of this shit ever. <laughs> no, like, I agree. So his... there, there's got to be some kind of write-in vote option where, like, I'm not involved because I'm just going to fuck the whole thing up, and I think y'all resent me for it. <laughs> I'm just As... saying stuff. But, like, for real, though, um, like, my chakras. <laughs> as long as there's no uh, mail-in voting, I think uh, we can all agree it's fair. Okay, right. so, so, and that's the thing. We shouldn't have guests because the guests Fuck it up every time. God damn it. I've added a lot to this podcast. I've just like uh, you did just, up like until you just took it all back. <laughs> but I, I, I really made everyone think. I, I will say though, is that even though Population 436 is objectively the better Fred Durst content film, mm-hmm. it's also objectively not as good a film. So I will still go with long shots, but Objectively, would, Dave, because he's a traitor as always. Uh, yeah. And we, we, we're firing him again as producer. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that Jess's vote uh, in this scenario contradicts her vote in Snowden versus Lord of War. Ugh. So it's like it's almost like she's being super inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll I'm just we'll going on week. personal taste. You guys mostly. sound like you need healing. And like, <laughs> <laughs> the well, thing, we, when your heart hurts, you need you have to... You have to find the true vibration. All right. You know what? We, we, we've had enough talk. So no, yep, 
I think no, like for real though, like if you uh, and so if you tune into the, in the true frequency of population for thirty. All right, I think all that's right. all. You know what? Unfortunately, population four three six has moved on into the bracket. Yeah. I, I will and say, guys, yours was the better vote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm super smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my vote was more, much more well informed, literally, because uh, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, Nathan did watch the movies fifteen times each, so actually, his is probably the most well informed. Um, yeah, I'm a little offended by that statement, but go ahead. I hate yeah. that their vote makes us seem like we love uh, what do they call it? Sports ball. Yeah, we uh, like sports. We're freaking. We're actually freaking big nerds, yeah. and so we're we don't. Well, you know, just just like Kiki Palmer in this movie, she was both a nerd and in a foosball. That's true. So, well, uh, final thoughts. Uh, there's only one good sport. It's basketball. Football fucking sucks. Fuck. So I agree with that. Shut the fuck up. You know, if this movie was a basketball film where uh, Jasmine Plummer ended up playing for the Bucks, Dave would have fucking voted for it. Hands fucking down. I probably would have too. Oh, absolutely. Dude, honestly, no, if this no was, doubt about it. If know? this was like Mike, but she was balling with Desmond Mason, I would have yeah. loved that shit. No, well, like see, Mike, but it's like Giannis. He was like four years old at this point, I think. You can imagine there's probably, you know, there's probably a universe in which that is how the movie actually panned out. <laughs> Which and we know nothing about the universe, so like. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just maybe we'll get like a transmission from another universe telling us we were wrong. I I don't know. We'll figure it out. Right, uh. it's crazy. I I mean that crazy thing that happened earlier where it got noisy and I put a gate on it, like. It's, yeah. You know. Put a heaven's gate on it. You know, let's all fucking yeah. transcend. Heaven's noise gate. So I, like I'm vibing. Okay, so next time it'll be the. Woodstock 99 performance versus the Fred Durst dump. Yeah, versus the Fred Durst dump, which uh, does not involve Fred Durst taking a shit. Uh, <laughs> but I will say it involves something way, way funnier somehow and way less stinky. Uh, well, Fred, well, Fred Durst does. He drinks a lot. He eats a lot of like really spicy food. So his shits are pretty fucking nasty. Um, so no, yeah, and his chocolate starfish is really nasty too. Oh God. Um, so yeah, definitely take a look at Woodstock '99 and look up Fred Durst dump in parentheses not poop on Google and see what that's about. <laughs> or extra poop if you're freaky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yep, that'll that'll end it for this episode. Unfortunately. The worst people on this podcast voted for the movie that didn't win, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, Taylor and I are the tastemakers, and uh, as long as people don't forget that, I guess we'll be fine. Yeah, so once I again... I wish both of you healing. <laughs> so sayonara long shots who have been knocked out of the bracket. Population 436 moves on once again. This is Taylor. I'm going to be signing off this Fred Durst bracket. Now take it away to DJ Mike. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>